In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight chapter 2 from the Gospel of St. Matthew. In this chapter, we will cover two things. Number one, the details of the visit of the wise men from the East. And number two, many Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled by the events in this chapter, as we will see together. So let's start reading the chapter and try to understand it together. Verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. St. Luke in his gospel, he recorded in details the events related to the day of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But St. Matthew did not mention all these details. St. Matthew was writing to the Jews. So he wanted actually to tell them that Jesus is the king, king of Israel, whom they waited for. And in their mind, the Messiah will be the king of Israel, descendant of David, son of David. So he did not go into the details of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he chose certain events to prove to Israel, to the Jewish people, that Jesus is the king. That's why he described the visit of the wise men who followed the star to find the infant child to worship him. Bethlehem in English means house of bread. You know, Hebrew and Arabic are very similar. So Bethlehem, Bethlehem, house of bread. And Later on, as we read in John chapter 6, verse 35, the Lord Jesus Christ referred to himself as the bread of life who descended from heaven. So it is befitting that the Lord Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem to symbolize that he is the bread of life who descended to heaven to give life to whoever believes in him. Bethlehem of Judea is the city that was mentioned in Judges chapter 17 and verse 7. And we need to differentiate it from another city called Bethlehem, but it is in the tribe of Zebulun. And we read about it in Joshua chapter, chapter 19 and verse 15. So there are two cities called Bethlehem, but one belonging to the tribe of Judah in which the Lord Jesus Christ was born, and the other one belongs to the tribe of Zebulun. Jesus was born during the time of King Herod. King Herod was the son of Antipater. He is Edomite. Edomite means descendant of Isu, because Isu has another name, Edom. So Herod was a descendant of Isu, and he was made king by the Romans. And we read, all, we read also in verse 1 that wise men came from east. The proper word is Magi. And Magi is a term uh, which designates an order of priests and philosophers which belonged originally to Persia and Media. So they are from Persia, which now is Iran. And the Magi means these people, priests and philosophers, were actually dedicated to the study of the stars. So they were astrologers, 
and magicians. And these are the same people whom we read about in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel. And they lived, as I told you, in Iran, but they actually were distributed all over the region of Euphrates. Uh, most of the icons and most of the pictures uh, portray the wise men as three. But actually there is no biblical documentation for that assumption. And many people, they assume they are more than three. But maybe the three, because they offered three gifts, that's why in our mind they are three. But I don't think that people will make this trip from Iran to Jerusalem only three persons. So I believe they were more than three persons together. Verse 2. So they came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So, as I told you, Matthew mentioned this story because he wants to prove to the Israelites that Jesus Christ is the king of the Jews. And apparently, these wise men discovered unusual luminous star in heaven. So maybe because they study the stars, so when they saw this luminous uh, unusual star, they said this belongs to uh, a king. Or maybe they were originally Jewish people who moved to Iran and lived there and they became uh, priests and philosophers and astrologers and they studied the uh, stars. And knowing the prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ and how he was called a star, Maybe that's why when they saw the star, they remembered these prophecies and they went to Jerusalem to worship him. And the prophecy that Jesus is the star, we read it in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, verse 17. And this prophecy was mentioned by Bal'am. Bal'am. But, they did not comprehend that Jesus is a heavenly king, not an earthly king. That's why when they arrived to Jerusalem, they went to the palace where the king resides in order to find this infant child, the king of the Jews. So they concluded that this star belongs to a secular king, not to a heavenly king. Verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Why King Herod was troubled? Of course, when he heard about a king of the Jews is born, this means a threat to his throne, threat and a danger to his own throne. That's why he became troubled. Uh, but he, why he was troubled? He was old man because he wanted the throne of Judea to pass to his children. That's why he was uh, troubled. Uh, and if we put the account in the Gospel of St. Luke, we knew that many people in Jerusalem rejoiced with the birth of Christ, like the shepherds, for example. So we had people here rejoiced with the birth of Christ, 
But other group actually were troubled with the birth of Christ, like all the friends of Herod. Because if Jesus is the king, and in their mind he is an earthly king, so he will be a threat not only to Herod, but to all his friends and his group. So everybody in the palace was troubled by the news that Jesus was born the king of the Jews. That's why we read here, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. All Jerusalem means the word all he refers to all the people who knew uh, Herod and were friends to, with him. Verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Who are the chief priests? The word here does not refer only to the high priest, but this word refer to the 24 heads or chiefs of the priests. As you know, David had divided the priest into 24 groups. And for each group, they had a, a chief priest. So he gathered all these 24 chief priests. And we can read about the classification of the priest into 24 groups in First Chronicles chapter 23, verse 6, and chapter 24, verse 2, Second Chronicles chapter 8, verse 14, and the book of Azra, chapter 8, verse 24. So he gathered the chief priests, but not only the chief priests, but the scribes also. Who are the scribes? The scribes are the successors of Azra. Azra used actually to type and to write down, to transcribe the scripture. So the scribes are the official copyists of the scripture, those actually who transcribe the scripture. Uh, and because they write the scripture, also they read it. And actually they, they knew it by heart and they can tell the people what's written in the scripture. So they were the theologians, the theologians, because they were well-versed in the scripture. So I think Herod did well because when he gathered the priests who are the head of the Jewish religion and the scribes who are well-versed in the scripture, so these two people or two groups are the proper people to answer Herod's question. And his question actually implies three things. Number one, the question implies that the Jews expected a Messiah. Number two, that the scripture foretold about his coming and the answer about the Messiah, we can find it in the scripture. And number three, the very place of his birth also has been pointed out in the scripture. If you read again the question, what he said, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. So this question implies three things, that the Jews expected the Messiah, the scripture had prophecies about the Messiah, and actually one of these prophecies is about where he was to be born. Verse 5. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among of the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd 
my people Israel. When they said Bethlehem of Judah to differentiate it from Bethlehem of Zebulun as I explained to you. So here the scribes and the priests answered the question without any hesitation. They knew exactly where the Messiah is to be born. And they made it very clear that they know all about the prophecy of where the Messiah would be born. And they quoted a verse from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. So the prophecy about Bethlehem in Micah, Micah is one of the minor prophets. So in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. In that prophecy, both the place of his birth and the character of the Messiah are so clearly explained to us. The place of his birth is Bethlehem. But what about the character? He is a ruler. He is the king of Israel. The word rule means to shepherd his flock in faithfulness and tenderness. And the Lord Jesus Christ said about himself, I am the good shepherd, as we read in John chapter 10, verse 11. So this prophecy about uh, Bethlehem explained the character of the Messiah. Out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Why? He wanted to know where, when did the star appear. Because in his mind, he related the appearance of the star with the birth of Jesus. So if the trip from Iran to Jerusalem will take that much, then Jesus actually was born before that time with that much time. So he won't actually to know when Jesus was born exactly. Why? He told them that he wanted to worship him. But actually this was a plain lie. It was a hypocrisy from his part. Because he wanted to know where the child was born to murder him, to kill him. Because this child was a threat to Herod and his children. But God, who searches the hearts and the reins of the people, he knew the plan of Judas. Of Herod, sorry. He knew that Herod had a plan to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, as we will explain, he appeared, he sent an angel and appeared uh, to the wise men and redirected their way not to go back to Herod. Verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. So he sent them on a mission and instructed them by his authority as a king to return back to him and give him the exact information were this a child to be found. Verse 9, When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So, we assume here that uh, they 
departed immediately after their interview with the king, with Herod. And the star went before them. St. John Chrysostom said, this star is not a usual star for many reasons. Number one, actually, you cannot actually follow a star and walk behind a star, which means this star was very low to be able to follow. Number two, actually, the star uh, was uh, moving from the east to Jerusalem. And this is against the regular movement of the star. And number three, this star stood and pointed out to where the child was born. A, a regular star wouldn't do this. That's why St. John Chrysostom said, this star probably is angelic uh, or a heavenly power appeared in the form of a star to guide the wise men. Uh, and maybe this star reminds us with the pillar of fire that guided Israel during their journey in the wilderness of Sinai. When they saw the star, they greatly rejoiced. Why? Because this confirmed to them that their quest, their journey was not in vain. And this revelation, this vision, is a true uh, revelation about a king to be uh, born. Uh, verse 10 when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy usually any vision or any revelation from God brings joy to the heart as the Lord told us I will see you again and you will rejoice and nobody will take your joy away from you. Verse 11, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It was the custom of the people of the East when they visit kings, actually they present gifts to them. And they offered the Lord Jesus Christ three gifts, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Frankincense actually uh, to represent his priesthood and gold to represent his kingdom, he is the king of Israel. And myrrh represents the suffering. But also myrrh represents something else besides suffering. Myrrh is aromatic gum produced from a thorn bush that grew in Arabia and Ethiopia. And it has a very uh, sweet aroma, very nice smelling. So, Myrrh represent the work of the prophets because the news that the prophets usually proclaim to the people uh, are like the sweet aroma. Usually they bring good news from God. The prophet actually tells people message from God. So when we hear a message from God, especially a message like this, the birth of Christ, the Savior of the world. So this is a good news, glad tidings, bring joy to everybody. So it is like the sweet aroma of myrrh. So these three gifts represent the three functions or the three roles of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. You know, in the day of his baptism, the Holy Spirit descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ and anointed him. As what? Anointed him as king of kings, as the prophet, and also as our high priest, the only high priest. 
So the frankincense represent his role as the high priest. The gold represented his role as the king of kings. And the myrrh represented his role as the prophet. The prophet because he told us about the father. Nobody has seen the father. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father has revealed him to us. So that is his role as the prophet. In Hebrews chapter 1, St. Paul says, In the former days, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. But in the latter days, God spoke to us through his son. So, so he is the prophet. And he is the king. But his kingdom is not of this world. He is a heavenly king. He came to restore the kingdom of God that was destroyed by Satan. So Jesus Christ came to restore and to reestablish the kingdom of God. And he was also a high priest. Not a high priest, but the high priest. The only high priest. And he offered himself as a sacrifice. So he is the high priest, the greatest high priest, and also he is the sacrifice. Frankincense is an expensive fragrant gum distilled from a tree in India and Arabia. So here actually we can see how God used the wise men in a prophetic way to tell us about the role of our Lord Jesus Christ as the King of Kings, as the High Priest, and as the Prophet. Verse 12, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Here we can see divine intervention by God. Many of us will become fearful when there is threats of persecution or people will revenge from us or people will attack us. But may we don't know that while we are afraid, God actually has his own plan, his own plan of our protection. And as he did here, he planned uh, and, and, and he destroyed the plan of Herod. And in a dream, he warned the wise men not to return back to uh, Jerusalem. So we need to trust the providence of God. If God allowed us even to be killed, then this actually will be for our benefit. If God did not allow us to be killed and to live and to witness to him, this also is our benefit. That's why St. Paul, who trusted in God, said, as for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whether to live or to die, I belongs to Christ. God did not want the wise men to report to Herod the location of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the wise men, because they were good men, they obeyed God straight away and they did not go to uh, Herod again. Verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And here once again we see God's intervention. How God is intervening to 
stop and abolish the plan of Herod. So he sent an angel to Joseph to, to tell him, go and escape to Egypt because Herod wants to kill the young child. Verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying out of Egypt I called my son. This prophecy is in Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 and see how accurate Matthew said here he said spoken by the Lord so whatever is written in the scripture are not the words of Hosea or Isaiah or Jeremiah these are the words of God himself but the prophets were channel they actually proclaimed to us the message of God so and now we see here the fulfillment of this prophecy. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Of course this prophecy can be interpreted in two different ways. It can be interpreted about Israel when they were in Egypt and God called them out of Egypt. So he called Israel out of Egypt. But at the same time it is prophecy about uh, calling the Lord Jesus Christ out of Egypt after the death of Herod. And by the way, the word ekeklesia, which is translated church, literally means called out. Ek means out, klesia called. So ekeklesia called out. So here there is a beautiful meaning. As God called his people out of Egypt, and as he called his son out of Egypt, so God actually is calling us out of the world. And that's the meaning of the church. We are out of the world. As the Lord told us, you are not of this world. If you are of this world, the world would love you. But you are not of this world. So the church, the assembly of the believers, are the group, who are called out of the world because we are his children uh, out of Egypt I have called uh, my son Egypt actually has very intimate connection with the Bible history uh, some scholars says the most uh, the frequent country that was named in the scripture after Israel was Egypt. So Egypt is the second country was mentioned in the scripture after Israel. Uh, and Egypt is considered during the time of King Herod the nearest Roman province, uh, province independent of Herod. And in Egypt, there were many Jews uh, there who had a temple and synagogues. Uh, and Egypt is very close to Jerusalem, so it was the proper place to escape to. Uh, so when Herod would die, it would be convenient for the Holy Family to return uh, to Jerusalem again. Egypt also is considered uh, a place of refuge to many prophets. Abraham uh, fled to Egypt uh, during the time of famine. Uh, so many people in the Old Testament actually went to Egypt during the time of famine. Uh, and we can actually literally call Egypt a holy land. Because the Lord Jesus Christ lived in Egypt three and a half years. 
And if the child start to speak uh, in the end of the first year and the beginning of the second year, so maybe when the Lord Jesus Christ was in Egypt, that's when he started to speak. And because he lived in Egypt, and Egypt at that time, they were speaking Coptic language. So some scholars assume that the Lord Jesus Christ uttered and spoke some Coptic words while he was in Egypt with the Holy Family. When actually the angel uh, appeared to Joseph and instructed him, he obeyed the Lord immediately. He obeyed uh, the vision. And this should be actually our attitude when God asks us to do something. Many times we have these whispers in our ears. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Go open your Bible and read. Pray before you go to sleep. Go to the church. Repent. But many times actually we dismiss this voice of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph here, when he heard the God, he immediately and promptly obeyed God. Uh, verse, 15, uh, verse 16 Then Herod when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men was exceedingly angry and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. This reflects the harshness of uh, uh, the heart of King Herod. You know, regardless how hardened your heart is, but when you see a little child, any person, his heart become soft but to kill children two years and under this reflects how his heart was hardened and why it is for the fear of the loss of the kingdom yes when we become so attached to the world to the pleasures of the world to the money of the world to the prestige of the world this hardens our heart that's why he killed or the children two years and under. And actually, it's interesting to know that Herod himself died between two and four years after the birth of Christ. So after he killed all the children, very, very few months later, he died. But that is actually the anxiety of losing the kingdom. And when the wise men did not return back to him, he considered this a mockery to his authority. That's why he became very angry. Uh, and because he knew from them the time of the birth of the child, so uh, he made a, a, a decision to kill all the children of Bethlehem and all its districts from two years and younger and under this. Uh, many people confuse the 144,000 mentioned in the book of Revelation with the children of uh, Bethlehem. Of course, the 144,000 are not the children of Bethlehem. If you say uh, there are 72,000 uh, families and each family has two children, two years and under, so this will make 144,000. But this is small village, small town, Bethlehem, as we read in the prophecy in, uh, of Micah, 
definitely didn't have 72,000 families. So to relate the 144,000 who are actually heavily ranks to the children of Bethlehem, this is a very common mistake. But we need to differentiate between the 144,000 mentioned in the book of Revelation and the children of Bethlehem. By slaughtering the infants at Bethlehem, another prophecy was literally uh, uh, fulfilled. The prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 15, as we read in verse 17, then was, was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, a voice was heard in Rama, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So this prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 15, usually as I said, this prophecy, these prophecies may refer to more than one event. So this prophecy was first spoken with reference to the desolation of Israel by Nebuchadnezzar. And the survivors of the Israelites were gathered by their conquerors at, as captives at Rama. And the voice of their lamentation was heard, the lamentation of the mothers who were grieving their offspring and their children. But here, the prof, Jeremiah the prophet made reference to Rachel because Rachel was the mother of two great tribes, tribe of Joseph and tribe of Benjamin, as weeping and refusing to be comforted. Uh, but this prophecy also can be applied for the mothers who were uh, mourning and lamenting for their infants who were killed by King Herod. Because within a half a mile of Bethlehem, there was the tomb of Rachel. So, as if Rachel in her tomb was crying over all these children who were killed in, uh, in uh, Bethlehem. As he said, uh, a voice was heard in Rama, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. These are the voice of the mothers uh, crying over their infants who were killed by Herod. Rachel, weeping in her tomb, which was half a mile from Bethlehem, for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Verse 19, Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. So, when Herod died, God sent an angel asking Joseph to return back to Israel. Herod left three sons. Uh, so the kingdom was divided as his death into three parts. Archelaus was given Judea, Edomia, and Samaria. Philip, uh, he was a king over Batania and Traconitis. And the third son, Antipas, he ruled over Galilee and Perea. And each of those also called Herod. So Herod Archelaus, Herod Philip, and Herod uh, Antipas. And these three kings uh, were referred to frequently in the New Testament uh, during the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the death of Herod uh, the, the Great 
was the signal to uh, Joseph, Mary, and the child to go back to Israel. And I want you to notice here, when the angel appeared to Joseph, he didn't tell him, go to Bethlehem, but he told him to the land of Israel, giving him freedom to choose any place in the land of Israel. And also, the angel did not say, for he who uh, wanted to kill the child, but he said in a plural, for they who sought to kill the child are dead. So this means there, uh, there must have been death of more than one person, more than Herod, who sought to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. And as it is the attitude of Joseph, St. Joseph obeyed immediately, promptly as before, and waiting obediently upon the divine will. Verse 21, Then he arose, Joseph, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. Archelaus also was uh, a harsh, cruel, like his father, Herod. And as I, uh, as I told you, it was divided into three kingdoms. So the land of Palestine also was divided into three parts. Galilee in the north, Samaria in the middle, and Judea in the south. Galilee was under the government of Antipas, Herod Antipas. And he was a mild, uh, kinder than Archelaus. That's why St. Joseph felt safe to live in Galilee under Herod Antipas instead of living in Judea under Archelaus. So he went uh, into a small village called Nazareth. And Nazareth actually this village was in the hills 500 feet above the plain of Esdrilon uh, uh, on the side of Galilee. Verse 23, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Actually, if you search the Old Testament, there is no prophecy called, uh, uh, says that he shall be called a Nazarene. That's why this prophecy, one of the most confusing prophecies in uh, the Gospel of St. Matthew. But before I explain this prophecy, let me tell you that Nazareth was a despised village. And the people of Nazareth actually were despised by everybody. You remember when Philip went to Nathaniel and told him the Messiah is from Nazareth? What was his response? Out of Nazareth comes something good? So this actually uh, tell you how the people despised Nazareth. But the Lord actually chose to live there in this very, very small uh, city. So, how can we understand the last verse that he shall be called uh, a Nazarite? Uh, Nazarene actually uh, means a branch. Means a branch. Uh, in, in, in the Hebrew uh, language. And there is a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ that a branch will come out of Judah, as we read in Isaiah 11, verse 1. So, some biblical scholars said 
Maybe St. Matthew was just making word play because the word Nazarene means a branch and there is a prophecy in Isaiah 11 chapter 1 about Jesus Christ. He is the branch out of Judah. So when he said he shall be called uh, uh, Nazarene, he was referring to this uh, prophecy. Uh, and the Lord chose to live in Nazareth, as I, I told you, it is a despised city, because to fulfill another prophecy in Isaiah 53, verse 3, that he will come out of a dry ground and he, he doesn't have form or glamour to be actually uh, respected. So this prophecy in Isaiah 53 verse 3 was fulfilled by the Lord choosing to live and to grow up in Nazareth. Uh, when Matthew quoted this verse he did not say spoken by the prophet as when he quoted Micah or Jeremiah. But he said what had been spoken through the prophet. What had been spoken through the prophets. Plural, not singular. So Matthew here not, is not referring to a single text but referring to a larger theme in the prophetic text. Because he, he did not say as it is mentioned by the prophet. But he said, what had been spoken through the prophets, plural. So he was referring to a larger theme in prophetic text, not to a single text. So one interpretation, Nazarene means branch, so this is fulfillment of Isaiah 11.1. 1. But St. Jerome has another opinion. He said, Nazarene uh, refers to the Nazarites, people who consecrated themselves to God like Samson. And the word Nazarite means to be separated, distinguished from others, because he dedicated himself to God. So uh, by saying he shall be called a Nazarene, so he will be dedicated to God and the ministry of the Father uh, to proclaim the glad tidings of salvation to everybody. So, the word Nazarene can either refer to him being the branch or to him being dedicated to the ministry of the Lord according to Saint Jerome. And this actually concludes chapter 2. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.